Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running an Eberron homebrew game called Eberron the Second Morning. This show, uh, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and joining up. Uh, patrons get exclusive access to a whole bunch of tools and charts and tables and things that I've been generating for D&D recently. They also get access to an uh, exclusive adventure called Regnum Rattus, the Rats in the Cellar. And you get access to an uh, exclusive channel on my Discord server. So it's a great way to support the show. It's a great way to support uh, Sly Flourish overall, pays for bandwidth, pays for equipment, pays for all the expenses that come from running Sly Flourish. So thank you very much to the patrons of Sly Flourish. And if you'd like to join up, you can join up there. So boy, I'm getting faster and faster at that intro. Hopefully it'll be shorter and shorter. That was one minute, under a minute. Okay, so uh, what are we gonna talk about? So we're gonna talk about uh, my Eberron the Second Morning game. And uh, so let me give a quick summary of what's been happening and, and see if I can do it in as short amount of time as possible. Uh, the theme of the campaign is, uh, is, is, is one of, uh, stopping the second morning, right? Uh, the morning was this terrible event that occurred, occurred in a, in a, in an empire known as Sire and turned it into the Mornland. And the, the goal of the group is to prevent it from happening again. And there are all of these different factions that are either trying to acquire the weapon of mourning or actually set off the weapon of mourning or bury the weapon of mourning bunch of different players that are going involved and the characters are kind of interwoven in this in this whole storyline they have a main villain the main villain is a uh, an oni named Lido skull uh, Lido skull has pretty much betrayed everybody he's ever worked for but he worked for the orum which is like the um uh, uh, a kind of a, a very powerful secret society. He worked for the 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 um, the Droam, which is the monstrous empire uh, to the west. Uh, he but he really worked for himself, right? And he he's always been working for himself. So he's been a great fun villain. The characters have seen him and met him a couple of times. They've never fought him before. I think they did fight him once, but he escaped a couple of times. And um, so Lido Skull. His goal was to recreate the weapon of mourning, and he was going to do so by acquiring three objects, uh, or or set you know getting sort of acquiring three things. Not, not all objects. One was a book of powerful spells uh, held by the um, the giants of Zendrek from fifty-ish thousand years ago, called the Tome of Kolsir. Uh, the second object was a massive dragon shard. And the third object was actually the location to build the weapon, which is in a place called Claw Rift in the center of the Mornland in a city known as Making, uh, which has now become known as the Glass Plateau. So for all of this campaign so far, which I think has gone on about eight months, um, the characters have been chasing him down, uh, trying to follow their leads, uh, cut off his access to this. Uh, and they actually managed to destroy his dragon shard, but he did get away with the Book of Kolsir. And he ended up going to the, the Daughters of Sorakel, which are the leaders of the Drom. He went back to them after having betrayed them, and they brought him back in, and uh, God knows what happened there. And they turn out that they also have a huge dragon shard that's actually a giant kyber crystal, like a shard they dug out of the earth. And so they are now attempting to, the Daughters of Sorakel are using 
they're, they're, they've opened up portals to the Mornland and are throwing scouts in there. And then one of them is able to kind of predict the future and determine, did those scouts live or not? And did they make it there or not? And if they don't make it there, then they say, okay, send in more scouts. So they've been sending in like dozens and dozens of scouting parties who are all getting wiped out in the Mornland, trying to discover, uh, trying to find out where uh, making is. And they will eventually figure it out. And then they will open a portal to it and move through with their dragon shard and their book and try to recreate the weapon of morning. Um, so the, the most recently, the party has traveled to a, the city of Eston, uh, on the, uh, Western side of the Mornland, they came through a secret tunnel that came from Thrain and they got to the ruined city of Eston. And in Eston, they found all sorts of different twisted groups fighting among themselves, including the, um, uh, followers of the blade, the Lord of Blades and a group of weird cultists called the cultists of the, or called the, uh, the children of the God drums. Uh, and also weird, twisted um, Warforged creations that had gotten free in Eston and sort of climbed out of the, the vaults of House Kenneth below and were wandering the streets. So uh, they also found, oh, a group of Warforged werewolves known as the Black Claw, and they took care of the Black Tusks, and they got rid of the Black Tusks, um, including fighting Black Tusk, their leader, who is a Warforged werewolf titan, and they defeated him. And uh, they got a hold of an object called a docent, which is a very powerful Warforged artifact. And they found out from one of Leto Skull's former spies that she was going to use it to convince a being known as Karshak to get access to the city of making, that this being Karshak knew it. So uh, in our last uh, session, they defeated Black Claw. They, they sort of recovered and they, they got to ninth level. And they said they, they had these different options for other places to explore in Eston, but they said, let's just go. Let's go to Karshak. Let's bring this there. So they went to Karshak. Karshak exists inside of this massive black iron sarcophagus that stands like hundreds of feet high and thousands of feet long. It's actually based on the sarcophagus that surrounds Chernobyl. And uh, they went up to the front door and there's a like a weird lens on it and the lens disintegrates people that it doesn't like. And most of the time it hasn't liked anybody. No one's been in there in 10 years, not since the war. The last time anybody actually entered the sarcophagus was 10 years ago. And so they walked up, they showed the docent to the lens, the doors opened, dust comes flying out because no one's been in here for 10 years and a huge booming voice says, enter. And then they entered the sarcophagus and the doors closed behind them and that is the last they will ever, and I think I even foreshadowed that. I said, once those doors close, you're never seeing Eston again. And they're like, what? Right? So uh, that is where we begin. They have entered the, 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 what's known as Karshak's Kresh, uh, which is the location uh, that they have. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, so let me pull up my game notes. And why don't we, for funsies, uh, uh, I'm going to stick this down under old adventures. Uh, once again, for all of my campaign notes, I am using Notion uh, to do my campaign stuff. And I have a Notion template you can use if you like the ways of the lazy DM. Um, you too can follow along in your own Notion notebook or clone it and make your own or whatever you want to do. Uh, but we're going to take a look at uh, last Sunday's game and see how things went. So they fought Black Tusk. That was the big thing. Uh, Lara Black Tusk, by the way, was a, uh, for me, it was a, a cheat. I was playtesting one of my fantastic lairs um, for the upcoming book. Uh, not Sly Flourish's Fantastic Lairs. Oh, my God. Um, no, but we're doing a book called Fantastic Lairs. Myself and James Intercasso and Scott Gray. 
are doing a book called Fantastic Layers. We're working on it now and we're playtesting it. And one of the ones we playtested was a layer called the Layer of Black Tusk, which is actually about werewolf, giant, uh, frost giant werewolf. But I'm like, you can just make anything Warforged. So they defeated the Black Tusk. They got the stuff. So now we have like the secrets. So one of the things we do is look at like last week's secrets and clues and say, how many of them did they discover? Uh, first chosen of the God drums became such when Karsha cut her arm off. Yes, they learned that. Silas DeCana taught Vincent how to make... No. So one of the things is uh, I had an NPC that was that was vital to um, one of the characters. Uh, oh, and I actually have an interesting idea here for a thing I might do. Uh, so one of the NPCs was the grandfather of one of the characters, kind of. Uh, so one of the characters is um, Shift, who is a warforged... Uh, she's one of the original Warforged. She's sort of a half-human, half-Warforged hybrid with a kyber crystal for a heart. And she, her grandfather made her here. Her grandfather is named Silas Deaconeth, and he is one of the only people left in um, Eston that's like still doing the work of House Kenneth, maybe. And he was in a tower called Skyfall Tower. And I thought the characters might go visit Skyfall Tower, and they decided not to. Uh, but the player, Juliet, is not able to make today's game. So I might send her a thing and say, hey, if you like, we can go back and forth in email and talk about maybe you did go over there while everyone else was resting and kind of getting together. You actually went over there and had an interaction with Silas and I can do some stuff and then you can have come back to the party before they went into the crash. We can sort of have like a, you know, do a, a side mission through email um, that's actually sort of a flashback, right? Because by the time she comes back, they'll already be gone. That could be fun. So they didn't learn anything about Silas. According to the four wind shifter monks, beings like Black Tusk are abomination. They did learn that. Silas is one of the four best artifacts. They did not. Silas continues to build fantastic and horrible machines. Nope. Many machines of many machines of war still exist in the tunnels of Kasha. They did not learn that. Silas built Karshak, but Karshak has evolved since then. They didn't learn that. Karshak was one of two such constructs, the other being Mycenta. I think they did learn that, but that's an important one. So we might steal that for next, for, for, for this week's game. Uh Karshek and Mycenta were mates. Karshek has fallen into depression since Mycenta's death. Uh, they didn't learn that. Black Tusk is in horrible pain from his self-constructed form. He hopes that the docent will end that pain. They never did learn that, but Black Tusk is dead, so it doesn't matter. Um, Impride de Falarn had hoped to gain access to the making glass plateau through Karshek by offering the docent. Yes, they did learn that. And they used that. The Daughters of Sorakel are finding a way to make the... Get the Daughters of Sorakel are finding a way to making in the glass plateau through the prophecy and experimentation. They did learn that. So they learned a bunch of stuff. But again, about, yeah, look at that. Five, you know, I've always said that about five, about half the secrets get revealed. Turns out it's about half, a little bit less than half because there was 11 secrets. So that's what happened in last week's game. So uh, we will go back to home and we're going to generate a session planning template with a new button and it pops right up. The new template and is one November 2020 Sunday DD. So we will start by reviewing the characters. Uh, we have, I think I have only four players today. Uh, so go to the character database, and the four players are Zarentir Delander. I think he's not able to make it today. Uh, Zarentir is a member of House Delander. He's a storm sorcerer, storm part storm cleric, storm mark of the storm guy that's part of the storm house. Um, he likes storms. Probably find a bunch of storms inside of uh, House Can or inside make uh, uh, the Mornland. We have Saber, who is a bounty hunter shifter. 
we have Shift, who I described before. We have Banner, who is a follower of the Becoming God, uh, former paladin, uh, a paladin and former member of uh, the Lord of Blades before seeing that they are terrible. We have Shane Husk, who is a notable author and historian, uh, best-selling author, kind of a schlocky best-selling author. And we have Arwen Chi Sizu, uh, who holds uh, the heart of the docent, which is actually his, um, her father's uh, soul is inside of a object that is going to be going inside of the docent. So uh, those are our six characters. Uh, let's go back. We're just ripping through the notes today. Uh, so the strong start is going to be... Uh, it's, I don't think it's going to be that particularly strong because they, they entered um, uh, entered Karshak's crash, uh, and they're going to meet um, the major domo, Karshak's major domo, uh, who I, I have an NPC already for. I have to find out. Um, it's not Stevius Jackstone. It's not Parnell. It's not Longspear. Uh, these are all the NPCs I currently have in my game. We have Karshak. Um, Delois. Uh, Delois is the major, major domo uh, of Karshak. Uh, Karshak's only companion. Uh, so we'll put him down here under NPCs. Uh, we have Deloitte and we have Karshak. Um, so they meet Deloitte. Uh, and Deloitte's warnings, right? So they give their warnings about Karshak. Um, just because, and what, what are these? Just because you were let in doesn't mean Karshak won't kill you on the spot if you uh right um if you cross them cross them uh they have done so before uh karshak hates sarcasm and doesn't understand humor um what other it's sort of like what's the reverse of the three laws of robotics right like these are the three rules for dealing with karshak um answer his questions right their questions um Answer the questions. Uh, avoid. Yeah, Karshak hates. Yeah, hates sarcasm and doesn't understand humor. And if you cross him, you're gonna die, right? It's happened before. Uh, so those are kind of the warnings, right? And then they will see Karshak's crash. Um, which is sort of the look, the, the fantastic location, right? Um, and then they see Karshak itself. 
uh duplicate warnings there yeah i know but the the important one if you're gonna get killed uh, probably can be reinforced twice uh Uh, we'll get rid of this one because I like the other one better. And we'll do that one third because it's a more sinister one. So uh, so those are, is it a strong start? I mean, like kind of. They're also C car shack, right? So uh, the scenes are car shack's crash. crash. Uh, stepping into car shack. Um, Attack of the Lord of Blades, right? Uh, and then what? Uh, negotiation. Oh, um, Esten is destroyed. Attack from the Lord of Blades, negotiation, and the damn of Galifarian kings. Um, and then what? My sent, uh, my sent in the academy. The, uh, the academy of Eberron. So we're going to talk about those. Um, the Dam of Kings. Uh, oh, God, I deleted too much. There we go. I'm actually going to, in the Dam of Galfarian Kings, we're going to call it. So what the hell is all this stuff, you ask, right? Like, what is he talking about? So Karshak, they're, so they're going to go into Karshak's crash. Uh, Karshak's crash is this huge, like, massive structure. It's sealed completely. It has its own air supply. It has its own massive vents. And it's essentially a huge train station. Karshak is essentially a lightning rail uh, warforge, a warforge lightning rail. But Karshak has a lot of power in Eston. And... Uh, we'll talk more about like what Karshak is, is made of because they're going to see it. So they go in here, huge halls, like it's going to be pretty clean, right? Because the place is sealed up. So it's like there's not a bunch of skulls and stuff lying around. And they'll be standing in this thing and there's this huge train. And then this figure walks up, right? And he's well-dressed and he says, my name is Delois and I speak for Karshak and I have a few things to talk to you about and then we can get aboard. And he talks about it. And meanwhile, the characters can look at Karshak and realize, oh my God, that's Karshak. And Karshak is a huge train, huge lightning rail. And um, so they'll actually see the cars of Karshak, right? And I think Karshak is like 12 or 14 cars long. Um, starting back to front, uh, sorry, front to back, right? So furthest out, because it's aiming out from the city. Uh, is an engine, is the engine of Karshak, massive engine. And the engine is actually built around a portal, a manifest portal to Kithri, the churning chaos. It's drawing energy from chaos right in from a ancient portal that they moved into the engine. And that fuel is then the, the, the chaos energy is going through it. And that's what drives the, the rail. So it's not really a lightning rail, it's a chaos rail. Uh, the second car is Karshak's brain, a huge, massive Warforged brain um, that's sitting and it's sealed up in this massive thing. Uh, the next one is the Constructs car. This is where Karshak's 
has a bunch of constructs that guard him. It's the one way he can sort of send constructs out. He's loath to do so because he can't get really, he can't get more of them. So he's probably has six to eight to 12 constructs in there of different types, like a couple of Warforged Titans, a bunch of Warforged, stuff like that. Um, then there's the first class day cabin, which is where the characters are going to enter, right? And there's a first class sleeping, sleeping cabin, first class dining car. There's a couple of second class cabins where they have like kind of poor seats where, where people, that's where like the workers traveled. This, the, the whole engine was designed to travel from Eston to making. And it did so repeatedly for about 40 or 50 years during the last war. Um, so there was a bunch of scientist types and nobles and stuff who would travel and they'd use the, fir- the three first class cars. And then the two second class cars were the workers who were traveled, who were, were brought from Eston to making. Um, one of the other cars is the maintenance and internal storage. This is enough that they could, they could survive their journey across the lands without ever having to leave, right? They wouldn't have to get off. Um, and this is where like Dol- uh, um, uh, Delois has like, you know, can get meals prepared and there's other maintenance constructs that exist back there. Um, then there's a car that has cryo tanks with frozen artificers in it. Although Karshak killed them all, except one who still happens to be alive. The, 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 it didn't, he didn't manage to break it. It it was disconnected, but still awake. And it's essentially a simulacrum of a, of an artificer of a, of a powerful house Kenneth artificer. Um, then there's the large storage cars, which is where they like carried the dragon, the dragon shard and other huge pieces of equipment. And then the last car on it, the caboose, if you will, is a war car. It's a car that's got these huge um, spell guns, like these, these, you know, sort of like imagine like massive stabs and wands that can fire bolts of lightning. And, you know, he probably has like the equivalent of a staff of power up there uh, that can just hammer down um you know, shoot airships out of the sky and stuff like that. Really powerful weapons that were meant to defend Karshak. And he can use those and arc like, you know, powerful bolts of lightning or f- fingers of death or other such things. Um, you know, blight cannons, you know, that can that can hit uh, the characters if they screw with them, right? So that's what, they'll see all of these cars. They won't know all this stuff about them, but, you know, I'll, they'll describe it. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like about twelve massive cars of this of this train. They get in the fourth car. So that's what Karshak looks like. Uh, and they will so they'll see the they'll see Karshak, they'll meet Deloitte, and then Kar, Karshak will open up the door into the first class cabin and say, Enter. And Deloitte will say, I suggest you do so. You know, you've made your choice so far and they will go inside and there's these beautiful first class cabins, right? And the deal, the doors seal and they'll feel a little bit of motion and they'll look around and they'll be like, wow, this is really nice. There's couches and it's comfortable. And Delois will say, can I get you any drinks while we, while we're departing? And, um, they'll get some drinks and then they, they'll feel the thing start to accelerate and accelerate and accelerate. And they're like, wow. And then they'll have their drinks and then a voice will come out and say, you know, the, the, you know, if, if they ever say, like, do you want to see something? They'll say, sure. And all of a sudden, all the walls will disappear. And it will be like an illusionary projection of the outside, including sound and, and sight. 
maybe even smells that like it'll be a major illusion that that car shack can create inside the first class car that makes it look like they're flying over the rail and themselves and they'll see the rail going out they'll see the mornlands below them and these twisted monstrosities fighting each other and these dry rivers and all this stuff and they'll look back and see the walls of Eston, this massive like 200 foot high walls with like sewers that where where you know water and oily substances are pouring out into the into the uh into the land around and then they'll start hearing the explosions and they'll see parts of the city breaking apart and they'll see like a poison gas flowing out from the sewers and they'll hear the screams of the children of the god drums as they're all like their flesh is all melted off their bodies and all this terrible stuff and they'll be like what is happening and karshek says i have no need for Eston anymore you know like i'm done and they're like, holy cow, Karshak destroyed Eston, right? And he will destroy Eston. The only thing that will be remaining is the spire where um, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, Skyfall Tower would be the only thing left. But everybody else in Eston is dead. And, um, and, and, and they'll be like, why did you do that for? And he'll say, like, I want to make a point to you. I don't care about Eston at all. And look what I did to them. So if you make me mad, imagine what I'll do to you, Right it's another like, I just want to show you how serious I am. And I did this for my Wednesday group and they're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it really worked. By the way, this is all stolen directly from Stephen King's Wastelands. If you read Wastelands, if you've been following this show, you know I'm stealing from Wastelands. Um, so they'll, so Eston will be destroyed and they'll be the last ones left. And part of that also, it's not just that he wants to kind of show uh, the characters. I'm serious about what we're, I'm serious about our conversations you know, but also I burned my bridge. I'm never going back to Eston again. Eston is gone. We're, we're, you know, our group, we're going forward. We're not going back. So, uh, you know, and then he'll say, you know, he'll disappear and the, the, the walls will come back and Deloitte will say, I'm, you know, is there anything else I can get you? And they'll be like, no, no, no. And, uh, then Karshak will come back and says, well, it looks like we have, uh, visitors. Uh, and then he'll show a thing again and a war forged, a, a skyship will be flying over and Warforge will be dropping onto the Karshak's train. And he says, let's see how you can do against them. And then opens up hatches so they can go outside. And then we have a top of the chaos engine fight with minion with members of the Lord of Blades. And if the characters say like, well, can't you just take care of them? He's like, I can, I want to see how you do. And if they say, no, we're not your toys, then he'll just blow them up, right? He'll just, he can use, they'll watch as he uses his rail guns and his other things and blows up the thing and kills the Warforged and accelerates so fast that they're just shredded from, you know, from the speed. And, um, and then it's like, he'll be like, I'm very disappointed. But it's an opportunity if the characters, if the players feel like, hey, time for a fight. Like, I want to get into a fight. They can climb up the thing and have a nice train top fight, which is actually, see that image in the lower right-hand corner? That is the image that I'm taking this from. And instead of that Warforged being a hero, uh, that Warforged is a member of the Lord of Blades who is going after Karshak over the Mornland. That, that's kind of the, the, the fun bit, the fun bit that I want to do. So I'm going to recreate that scene, only it's in reverse because the players are on the train. So that was a lot of coffee. Um, a, lot of, a lot of dregs, a lot of dregs of the coffee. Uh That is the, um, that's my plan for Karshak. They have a, a nice fight. But one of the things that I've thought about with Karshak is like, it's, you know, it's literally on the rails, right? I literally put the campaign on the rails. So I want to make sure 
that there are options, right? And I want to make sure that that they are in a situation. I'm not defining how things go. Um, the situation is Karshak wants the docent. Karshak is also ready to die if he doesn't get it and ready to take anybody out with him. Um, he's, you know, like, like this, watching the characters do what the characters did is the most interesting thing he's seen in a while. So he's a little like Strahd in that, right? And... There are off-ramps. Yeah, the off-ramps aren't good, though. Uh, and the characters can fight their way forward. So we could do uh, Snowpiercer if we want. And the characters could be like, screw you, Karshak. We're going to fight our way to your brain, and we're going to knock you out. And they could, right? They could try. And there'll be lots of hazards in the way, and Karshak will be very angry, and lots of interesting things will occur. Or they could try to negotiate with Karshak, right? And one or the other might get the upper hand on Karshak. And my Wednesday group actually convinced him. They, they, they talked to him and convinced him that, like, you're not just a machine of war. And just because the war is over, like, Karshak actually feels guilt over the fact that they were part of the, morn the morning. And, and they were built to be part of the morning. And he's like, you know, Karshak's whole point is like, what does it mean when I'm still around and the and this whole continent is the way this continent is? And I'm responsible for that, kind of, because I helped shuttle all the people and all the equipment that made that. Like, what does that mean? And what am I, right? And what am I when it's gone? And he's going to show them one of the other things that I want to do, which I think is really cool, is um, show them a... Uh, this is something that made a big difference in my Wednesday game when he showed them this. They remembered it and they really liked it. Uh, he's going to show them a Dread Destroyer. Um, so probably... Um, so a, what's a Dread Destroyer? A Dread Destroyer is a massive... This is actually stolen from Arcana of the Ancients, the D&D 5e book by Monty Cook. And a Dread Destroyer... I think there's a... Uh, let's see if there's a picture of it. Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, I love this picture, right? Uh, come on, open up. So that's a dread destroyer. Um, a dread destroyer is a in 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 my world, right? The way I'm creating it. Uh, a one of the most destructive warforged machines ever built. Uh, so you know, so dangerous that they never even really used it, right? And it, uh, they, you know, it was tried. They tried to destroy it and failed, and now it's just sitting and rotting inside of a crater on its own cognizance. And like, it is a city to like, it could wreck Sharn, right? This thing could destroy Sharn. And it's just sitting out there, and and it, the whole area around it is is a toxic wasteland from its from from its you know from its dregs, um, and you know it was the most destructive thing next to the weapon of mourning ever created, and that still exists, uh, and it's just sitting there and and waiting to die, and it may take centuries for it to die. It doesn't, and they'll they'll look, and as they do, like the head of it will kind of like turn and watch Karshak go by, right. And then it'll turn back and go back down again. And it's this tragic thing, right? Where it's a consciousness that was built to destroy cities and knows what it is. And, you know, what does it mean when, um, you know, what does it mean uh, to be something so powerful and so dangerous and, and, and recognize that your only purpose in existence is manifest destruction, Right. 
Um, this is actually, uh, uh, there's a, there's a theme. You want a little bit of history. Uh, there is a, there was a project. If you, if you look back at like the insanity of the cold war, um, there was a weapon. Um, project Pluto, uh, this thing was called project Pluto, uh, was a weapon developed in the fifties. This is when we were like right at the height of like nuclear power and everything like that. And in the 50s, the United States considered building a thing called a nuclear ramjet. And the idea behind it, there's a there's a crazy picture of this thing, if we can find it. Uh, yeah, here it is. This is what they were trying to build. But there's some, there was an artist rendition of this that I saw. Um, let's look at Project Pluto. Uh, yeah, here's an artist rendition of the thing. Um, but I think there's another one too. So the idea behind it, um, that's not the, there's, that's the one I'm, this is the one I'm thinking about. The missile from hell, right? Oh, come on. It's right there. Oh, give me a break. Um, so the idea behind the nuclear ramjet was we can make a, uh, imagine a nuclear, a flying nuclear submarine that can fly at Mach, like I forget what speed it was, but a but a supersonic. I think it was like Mach three. It was really really fast, and it was built on a open nuclear reactor that would that was a nuclear ramjet. It would suck air in, run it past an open nuclear reactor that would superheat the air and then shoot it out the back. And so it would launch with conventional rockets and it was a, it was a, it was a cruise missile. So it would fly, they said it could fly, if they had made it, it would be able to fly like 500 feet off the ground at supersonic speeds, which would kill everything that it flew past, right? It would just, it would just level trees and just blow down buildings just with its supersonic, just with the, the sonic blast at, at, at that speed, like many, many, you know, super fast. And meanwhile, it's spitting raw radioactive waste out of its engine as it flies over. And then it had a bunch of downward facing small nuclear missiles that it could drop down on cities as it flew past. So it would fly over a city and drop these bombs and, and blow them up. And, and like the bombs wouldn't go off by the time it was long gone. And they said like they could fly it over like the whole Soviet Union and bomb whatever cities they wanted. And because it was super, it was low, it flew low and was supersonic, it would destroy everything in its path. And they said when it was done firing its missiles, they could just fly it around because it would just spray radiation wherever it went. So you could wreck an entire, you know, wreck an entire continent with radiation. That was part of its design. And the good news was it was never built. They actually built the engine to prove that it could work, and it did. But what they realized is the reason why they stopped making it, I, 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 there's a whole Wikipedia article about this called uh, Project Pluto. Um, the whole reason they couldn't go any further is there was no place in the world they could test it safely, right? There was no part of the planet that they could fly it over that wouldn't destroy. Um, oh, Evil John says they don't think they got the engine light enough. They, they probably didn't. Um, yeah, because I think there's a there's a you know there's the there's the picture of it, uh, but they actually did test the engine, and it did work. Um, but yeah, one of the one of the things I read said that like there was no place in the planet, you know, one of the reasons they didn't go on with it was there's no place in the planet where they could where they could make this thing. So you just look at that and you're like, what kind of like, I mean, you look at uh, cobalt bombs. If you if you look back at like weird 
weird ass terrible cobalt stuff the cobalt bomb was a really bad one the cobalt bomb was a huge bomb that fired radioactive cobalt into the air you would actually could set it off it was um dr strangelove was built around the, the theme of dr strangelove was built around the concept of the cobalt bomb which i think was a soviet one and that idea was it was a huge cobalt bomb that you would blow up in your own continent and it would rain radioactive uh uh it would it was a doomsday weapon it would rain radioactive stuff in the entire atmosphere kill almost all life on the planet I'm, I, I think i'm being a little bit dramatic but not a lot it had a really small half-life um so that like it could be in 50 years you could come out instead of like a thousand years or whatever but it was super radioactive and uh and they're, 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 the, the original design was it was just a huge bomb you'd have in your own country and you'd have a doomsday device sitting on that that if you were ever nuked, it would go off. And that way it was a deterrent. Like don't ever bomb us or this thing will go off and kill everybody on the planet. That was the kind of stuff that was going on in the Cold War. It was really, really crazy. So what's my point with all that? My point is like that feels to me like the Dread Destroyer, right? That it was like, um, I'm not saying cobalt. I'm saying cobalt, C-O-B-A-L-T, the, the element. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Evil John says this isn't that different from the proposed thermal nuclear thermal propulsion engines for deep space exploration. The only difference is those aren't bad because it's space, right? I think it was, uh, <laughs> I think uh, Carl Sagan had an episode of Nova where he said, like, you know, the one good reason to use nuclear power has been outlawed. And yet the all of the bad reasons to use it aren't, aren't outlawed. And it was it was the idea of being able to use nuclear energy in space got uh, outlawed because they didn't what they didn't want is people building nuclear bombs that they could you know fire off in space and drop down from space onto continents because it was just it'd be too you know no one would know and um, but they outlawed the use of nuclear energy in space when that's the only reason yeah hey look there's a link to the cobalt bomb um, that was the only good reason to do it was that you could actually fire rockets in space, use thermonuclear reactors in space because it's space, you know, radioactive particles in space is not like radioactive particles in the ocean. Right. So, you know, if Carl Sagan says it's not a bad idea, it probably wasn't a bad idea. That's, that's my, I'll, that's my Bayesian, a little bit of Bayesian thinking for me. Carl Sagan's probably right. You know, before I start arguing with Carl Sagan, I should really think about what he, what he was saying. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the Dread Destroyer to me is a weapon like that, right? And it's, a, it's just one of these weapons. So is Car... And this is the point that he's going to show the Dread Destroyer and talk about this powerful, incredibly devastating weapon, which, by the way, is actually a... a, a there's a stat block for it. And the stat block is like a, a challenge rating 30. It's like the equivalent of a Tarask, right? And it's a super... I mean, you know, it's like a, it's like a crab-like nuclear submarine. So I like the idea that Karshak is showing him these artifacts of the war and being like, you guys created this stuff and then you left it here, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, that could be, that's kind of an interesting thing. And really what Karshak's doing is like, you see that thing out there? That's really me. I'm one of, I'm like that and we're like that. And by the way, Banner, you're like that, right? You're one of these artifacts. You were thrown aside and like, you know, why end it? And if you want to stop, this from happening again how about we just hit Mach 3 and go flying into making together and we'll crash into it and then it'll never happen again right and the party book oh my god like are we on a suicidal crazy suicidal train so that's kind of what i want to have happen uh so that's the dread destroyer um 
then this becomes a negotiation. They talk to uh, uh, they talk to Karshak and maybe they figure something out. Maybe they don't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, the Dam of Galifarian Kings. So at some point during the journey, this is another thing I'm stealing from Wastelands. Uh, at some point during the journey, um, Karshak will slow down and go to this place called the, 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 the if, if, if the negotiations go well, um, he'll say, well, there's something you can do for me. Uh, I want to get, um, I want to, uh, there's a, there's a dam halfway between us and we can stop at the dam and energy comes out of the dam and fills up my, my reserve caches. Uh, but only one of the vents on the dam is open the other there are, there are there are two others that are not open and i can't get in there i want you guys to go into the dam and open up the other two vents and this is a fun little dungeon crawl i ran it for my wednesday group they had a good time uh inside the dam are, are a mixture of karnath soldiers undead karnath soldiers who fought against uh siren siren soldiers and so the remnants of that is in there um and it could be a fun little dungeon crawl on the side uh we'll see how that works out a lot of them to be dependent upon the negotiation. And one of the things they may find out in the negotiation is that Mycenta, who is Karshak's mate, uh, destroyed themselves. But part of Mycenta's personality, the crystal was still in Mycenta's brain and was taken uh, by a uh, taken by somebody, uh, by Geneth de Orion, uh, and hidden in a the ruins of a place called the Academy of Eberron. And... Karshak can't get to the academy. The academy is being protected, and and this uh, person, um, uh, uh, Geneth de Orion, is being protected by um, agents of shadow, agents of the shadow. So one of the followers of the Dark Six, these assassins of shadow have him, and he's also there's also a really big, dangerous creature that actually eats uh, artif artifacts, eats. Um, um, or inorganic stuff. And so whenever Karshak has sent agents to go out there, this beast ate them. And uh, so they, you know, he wants to send the party out to go kill the beasts, get this Geneth the Orion and get back my Senta's um, memory crystal. And when they get back my, my Senta's memory crystal, they can combine it with Karshak and maybe Karshak won't be so, so such a, such a asshole. And Karshak will agree. I will take you to making. So those are a couple of side quests, like a couple of dungeons on the side that I want to run. Maybe, you know, part of it is like maybe they just get there, right? I don't know. I don't really know if I'm if I'm padding or not. It doesn't feel like padding, but if it starts to feel like padding, um, uh, Snark Knight has the idea. Some cracked out Syrian who thinks that the war is still going on, or yeah, feels that like the the war, yeah, you know, maybe they're kind of trying to build their own their own thing. Um, that could be kind of interesting. Uh, so those are two sort of side quests on the way. And then finally is making, they get to making, and then that will be, you know, a whole other, a whole other part of this campaign. So those are the scenes that I got. This is, this is scenes for weeks, right? This is a lot of scenes. This is not just tonight, today's session. Today's session will probably get as far as the dam of Galifarian Kings. I would expect. Um, this sounds exactly like the Lotus Eaters episodes from Cloak and Dagger. I don't remember that one. I don't know that Lotus Eaters episode. That sounds cool though. Um, so those are the, so th that's what I've got. So now I need my secrets and clues. So uh, they're entering Karshak. So what do they know? Uh, uh, Karshak. Uh, my Senta. 
how do I spell it? There it is, M-A-I. Um, uh, Karshak had a mate named Mycenta who killed themselves. Mycenta's memory, uh, Karshak uh, has been uh, suicidal ever since. Um, House Kenneth and Sire uh, made terrible weapons during the war, uh, nearly equal to the weapon of mourning. Many of these weapons are still out there, like the Dread Destroyer, like Cain. Uh, Kane is the name of the dead, dread destroyer. I'm getting a little biblical, but it's pretty cool. My Senta's memory crystal was taken by uh, oh uh, Genethy Orion, who is hiding out at the Academy of Eberron. Uh, what else? So, um, House Kenneth and Sire made terrible weapons during the war, nearly equal to the weapon of mourning. Many of these weapons are still out there, like Cain, the Dread Destroyer. Uh, my Senta's memory crystal was taken by Geneth de Orion, who is hiding out in the Academy of Eberron. Um, let's see. Karshak, uh, has an arsenal of, um, long range, weapons and uh, a car full of automated um, of constructs of various types uh, what other important things about car shack do we need to know um, car shack I don't know why I link it every time car shack shuttled um, artificers workers manual manual workers and small and large equipment between Eston and making my Senta uh, traveled the route between uh, Metro and making um what other bits of secrets do we have so uh six one two three four five six um whoops so i got four more secrets that i want to get ready um i've been chatting all this time not, not doing my work uh what other oh um uh, uh simulacra of artificers were kept in cold storage in Karshak. Uh, Karshak destroyed most of them, but one still lives. Um, Delois uh, is terribly 
afraid of Karshak and doesn't want to die. Um, uh, the Dam of Galifarian Kings uh, was a fortress and um, stronghold uh, for Sire uh, in their war against Karnath. Uh, a powerful, huge, and powerful mutation, mutated beast uh, lurks uh, outside of the academy that has so far thwarted um, Karshak's attempts to recover my Senta memory crystal from who is it? Uh, da, 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 from Geneth. Uh, so plenty of secrets. I think that's a good deal of secrets. Is that, is that 11 secrets? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. That's 11 secrets. That's plenty. Um, so we have Deloitte. We have Karshak. I'm going to add some other NPCs here. Geneth. Um, that's a good one. I don't think I need many other NPCs. Uh, monsters. So we're going to have, um, let's see. Uh, so I have an opportunity. I could run some interesting monsters from, I think we're going to go with straight Warforged. Uh, so we're going to have uh, Warforged veterans, uh, Warforged mages, and maybe juggernauts. Uh, are they called juggernaut titans? Oh, Warforged titans, right? These big guys. Maybe they drop a couple of titans down. Uh, whew, they hit hard. They're huge. Um, that's probably enough. We don't need to be fancy with the, uh, with the monsters. Uh, treasure. They just got a bunch of treasure from Black Claw, so I don't think we need much. But one thing we can do for treasure... Uh, first of all, we can cut my aliases down because we get it down to the people for today. And um, uh, treasure, treasure. Let's look at the characters. Uh, and we will, oops, that's the wrong set of characters. Look at our Sunday characters. And see, so Delandir, the Zaranthir is not here. Saber, Saber just got bracers. He's good. Uh, let's take a look at Banner, and see, does Banner have uh, anything that he wants? 
those of you watching from home on Twitch can actually pull up the character sheets. And if you look at them and you say, oh, it'd be really cool if so-and-so had this, that'd be a way to go. Uh, so um, Banner's character has um, a couple of good magic weapons. Uh, and I think currently has the docent, which is going to offer a whole lot. So probably not. Um, has plate armor, a mithril chain shield, so a high AC. They they love their tw AC twenty two. That's so ridiculous. Twenty two AC. More forge titan on you. See how you feel about your twenty two AC. Um, I don't know. So like, where would the sources of treasure be in this one? They they could find things. Um. But uh, what would the other Warforge bring with them uh, would be kind of interesting. So I don't think, I think Banner's probably good, especially if Banner got the docent. Uh, Shane Husk, uh, the wizard. Um, take a look at equipment. Uh, does Shane have uh, Shane's AC? Shane's AC is low. Shane needs some. Um, Shane has lack, uh, has the necrotic resistance studded leather armor. Uh, that's pretty good. Bunch of potions and stuff. Not not a lot else. Armor of necrotic resistance. Um, but probably so Shane Husk is due for something. Uh, so we'll go to our notes. Did I did I lose my notes? Let's put up. Uh, let's get my other notes. And. Uh, so Shane has leather armor. What other, so like, you know, I mean, rings of protection are good. Uh, ion stones are pretty cool, but I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll have to think of something for, for, for Shane Husk. I think Shane is probably due. And Arwen. Artificers are hard to find interesting uh, items. I know what Shane Husk would like. Probably a wand, right? Shane Husk likes wands. Uh, although I think Shane is a um, sword, sword mage type. Uh, so maybe a, does Shane, let's see. What about weapons? Uh, weapons would be kind of cool. Because I think Shane fights with a the revenant double-bladed scimitar. What is a revenant? Um, what about a dancing dagger? That might be kind of interesting. He likes this double-bladed scimitar. Can you make a magic? Can you make a? Um, what is, I don't even know what this is. Where do you get this from? It's a common item. Where did this come from? It'd be kind of fun to beef up his scimitar, right? So we could use those. That would be kind of an interesting thing is like um, uh, a gemstone that can add uh, 
It could be like a dragon shard. Do you remember the stones that they had in Storm King's Thunder that could uh, make a magic item? It'd be kind of cool to drop one of those. Uh, and it could make a magic, it can make a non-magical item magical and give it like a plus two bonus and a, and a damage kicker of some sort. Um, a stone that can take dictation when he writes, that'd be kind of funny. Um, cause they're probably due for plus two weapons, right? When do you get plus two weapons? Is that tier three? That's probably tier three and they're not tier three yet. So maybe it's a plus one gemstone. So gemstone that would add a plus one. Let's, let's look at some random, um, look at some relics. Um, what would be a fun, uh, a fun kicker? So like, what if it did ice damage? Um, so it's a plus one, like it's a gemstone, like, like a, like a frozen gemstone. You place it on an item. It gives it uh, a, a D six extra ice damage and can cast ice storm once a day. That might be kind of interesting. Uh, any other kind of fun spells on here? Um, can cast Mordenkainen and Sword. Isn't Mordenkainen and Sword kind of a uh um oh seventh level. Create a sword shaped plane of force that hovers in the range, lasts for the duration, which is a minute. Sword appears, you can make a melee spell attack against the target of your choice in five feet. Uh, when the sword appears, it takes 50 to 10. Until the spell ends, you can use a bonus action each of your turns to move the sword 20 feet to a spot you can see and repeat this attack against the same target or a different one. Seventh level is a pretty powerful spell to give somebody that can they can do regularly. Three D tens a fair bit of damage to do on bonus action. It's pretty cool though. That's a good one for a uh, one shot item. Um, <laughs> uh, blinding smite. Chromatic orb. Haste is always a good one. It is probably enough. Um, uh, so one of the treasures can be a, uh, a shard, Eberron shard that adds plus one magic to an item and um, 3d6 damage on a hit once per day. Uh, so like the equivalent of a smite, it can, it can do a smite once a day on a successful hit. What kind of damage? Force damage? Um, I don't know, we could roll um, fire, lightning, acid. Uh, let's make a little list. Uh, uh, fire, lightning, acid, thunder cold 
what are the other ones? Um, at least one more. Oh, necrotic. Maybe two more. Force. And what? What other? Uh, like what are the breath weapon types? Poison? Sure, we'll do that. So we'll roll a d8 and we'll see. Let's get our dice out. Da, 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 getting out the dice. Uh, da, da, da. Roll a d8. What type of element is it? Four. It is thunder. Thunder, thunder, thunder. And 3d6 thunder damage. That's kind of a cool item. People, people dig that. And, and I think any of the weapon wielders might like it. it, it the deal is you have to put it on a non-magical weapon. Uh, that might end up going to the monk. Uh, we'll see. So that could be for Shane Husk. Uh, maybe we'll just roll random. You know, roll some random treasure. Um, but I don't know what, uh, let's see. Yeah, we'll go to uh, our good old friend, Donjon. Uh, random treasure. And we will do CR7 treasure hoard. And we'll run it until we get some interesting items. Uh, Quiver of Elahana. Um, I can never see this window. It doesn't, it doesn't expand. Circlet of Blasting is always a fun one. Uh... I think I gave away an Ebon Fly. I think they have an Ebon Fly uh, figurine of Wondrous Power that they just got. Um, circuit of Blasting is kind of cool, though. Let's, let's, we'll do, we'll do a circuit of, circuit of Blasting. That works. I lost my... I lost my notes. So we'll add that to the list too. Maybe that'll be an item. And that, that one, that's one that a lot of people could use. So I got a couple pieces of treasure that I can drop in. Maybe, maybe like one of the, the um, Eberron, maybe one of the Warforged, uh, War, uh, uh, one of the Warforged mages has a circle of blasting. It's like, boom, it can like knock people off of the, you know, knock people off of the train, which would be devastating. That'd be really hard. Um, oh, I forgot Radiant. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I think we are all set. I've got my notes. I feel confident for my game today, particularly because I've kind of run this one before my other group too, so that helps. Uh, so I want to thank everybody today for coming. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you learned a little bit about some of the insanity of the weapons we made during the Cold War. And uh, I hope you get inspired to uh, run some of your own games. And we will be back uh, next week and see how things went. So have a great week and um, hop online and play a bit of D&D. &D. Talk to you guys later.